Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. here today. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and open them up to the book of Nehemiah, whether it's on your tablet, on your smartphone, whatever it is. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 3. We're going to look at chapter 3 and chapter 4 today, but we're really not going to read the entire chapter 3, because in chapter 3, all the families, all the tribes, they're coming together, they're rebuilding the wall. Uh, But today I want to talk to you about some uh, kingdom-building principles. I know in my ministry of 20 five plus years, uh, I have seen all these things that uh, Nehemiah is faced with in carrying out the mission, uh, the task that the Lord has laid on his heart in my own life, in my own ministry. And so these are principles. These are things you're going to see. And uh, some of these are things we need to learn how to deal with. And we're gleaning from Nehemiah's journal. And I love that. I love the fact that Nehemiah wrote a journal for us and or, or for himself. He was just journaling some things that were going on in his life. And we get the privilege to be able to peek and read into his journal, and to be able to glean some insight from the life of Nehemiah. So um, think about that, if you will. Before I really jump into this message, I want you to think about the setting here. I want you to think about Nehemiah and who he was and what was going on in in his life. I mean, he was the king's cupbearer. He was a government employee, if you will. He had a very good salary or career field, if you will. I mean, things were comfortable. Things were good in his life. But you remember in chapter 1, and it's one of the things that I can't get away from, he asked his brothers, he asked his people how the homeland was. There was a longing in his heart for the things of God. And I think one of the mistakes that we make in life is that we compartmentalize our lives. Over here we have the secular, and over here we have the spiritual. And on Sunday we open up the spiritual drawer, and then we close it, and we go back to the secular and live out our careers Monday through Friday or through the week. I want you to see that those two should come together. Whatever career field you're in, that still should not take away from the longing that you have for the kingdom of God, for the things of God, for the spiritual things of the Lord. And here we see Nehemiah. And I don't know about you, but I think what, what caused Nehemiah to make this shift in his career, if you will, from being a, a government employee, the king's cup bearer, to becoming now a construction worker. That's really what he's doing, right? He's going back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And carry out what he feels is God's will for his life. I don't know about you. Have you ever made a, have you ever made a, a change in your career path? Have you, have you ever just felt like God leading you a particular direction and you step out in faith and you go that direction and do that? Uh, well, that's what we see in the life of Nehemiah. And I think there's some wonderful things we can glean uh, from his journal. So if you remember in, in chapter 1, let's, let's review here a little bit, okay? Uh, what do we know about Nehemiah? 
Talk to me. He was a Jew, right? We know he was a Jew. Did he ever live in his homeland? No. Did he ever really see his homeland? No. He lived thousands of miles away. Uh, the Jewish people have been spread abroad. They've been taken into captivity. And Nehemiah now is, has probably been born uh, in, in Persia, been born outside of Jerusalem, never really seen his homeland. He was a Jew. He had a longing for the things of God. He inquired how his land was doing and how his people were doing, right? And when he heard that the walls were devastated, the walls were crumbled, torn down completely, and that the people were devastated as well and scattered, and some had been going back, Ezra had been going back, the priest, and went back some 50 years before Nehemiah chapter 1 and tried to lead an effort to start rebuilding the walls and rebuilding the people, if you will. Nehemiah, when he heard that it was a disaster, what happened to him? Talk to me. What did he do? He he was broken, right? What did he do? He wept. What else did he do? He, He was praying. He was fasting. How long of a period was he praying and fasting and planning? You remember in in Nehemiah chapter 1, it talks about the month of Nisan. And Nehemiah chapter 2, I believe it is, it talks about the month of, this is from memory, from Chislev, uh, which is about the month of April. So about from November, December out to the month of April. So you have a time frame there of about four or five months, right? Uh, That Nehemiah was weeping, he he was praying, he was fasting, he was planning, he was getting, he was having this, I don't know, I think this, this shift in his heart and in his, in his mind of what it was God was calling him to do. And, and so then he, um, he goes to the king, right? And he's before the king and he knows he's going to have to request from the king some things here. And he's going to have to share with the king what's on his heart. And he didn't really intend to do it that day, I don't believe. Uh, he's just before the king's presence and he is what? He's sad in counsel, right? Or, or his countenance, right? Uh, he's, he, he looks sad, he looks depressed, and by the way, the king could have taken his life, but the king no doubt had a tremendous amount of respect for Nehemiah, right? Apparently he, he loved what he was doing, he had respect for him and what, what he was doing there in the service to the king, and he said, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? Why is your countenance down? Are you depressed? Are you sick? What's going on? And of course, you remember, what's the next thing Nehemiah did? I love that part. You'll skip, you'll skip right over that. You'll miss it if you don't pay attention. As soon as, as soon as the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong? What's, what did Nehemiah immediately do? He prayed, right? Lord, help me. Here we go. I'm going to share this now with the king. That's kind of the prayer that took place there, okay? And then he shared with the king about his people, right? Now, which was a dangerous thing to do because the king was a key player in the stopping of the rebuilding of the walls, okay? And so he shared with him what was going on, on in Jerusalem and how the walls were destroyed and his people were broken and, uh, and how he was grieving over that entire process and how he wanted to go back and rebuild the walls and rebuild the morale of the people. And the king asked him, said, how long are you going to be gone? And he told him exactly how long he's going to be gone. So that tells me that he was doing some, he was putting some hard numbers to paper and he was figuring some things out prior to even going. And, and then he made a couple of requests, right? He made a request. He said, I need, I need a letter. For what? Request number one. A letter for safety. And, I couldn't hear you, but what? For safety and passage, right? He needed this letter. It's just a review. I want you to get this. Uh, he needed a letter for safety and passage. And so he got a letter to all the governors everywhere he went. said, listen, when I pass through here, you've got to give me safety and passage. I'm carrying out 
what the king of kings wants me to do, but I'm also carrying out the orders of what king our, our Turks are, are, are at. To, what's my name here? Artaxerxes uh, wanted me to do, okay? So he has safety and passage here. There's another thing he asked a letter for. What was the letter for? The building material, right? Uh, he was wanting the building material to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the gates, to rebuild the doors. And also he asked for materials to, I, I like this one, he asked for materials to what? Rebuild his, his house. He said, I'm going to need a place to live, so I need materials. And all of that was granted to him. So he took off and he went back to Jerusalem, but he didn't go by himself, did he? Ezra, some 50 years earlier, went by himself. Nehemiah didn't go by himself. Matter of fact, Nehemiah took with him what? A lot of the king's army, right? They went with him back to Jerusalem. So Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem. We're kind of fast-forwarding through this. Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem. He's there for a couple of days. He hasn't really shared anything with, what, with the people, what he's doing there. He's just been there for a few days, right? What does he do in the middle of the night? He gets up, gets on his animal, his horse, whatever it was he was riding, and he goes around and inspects the walls. And then he does something that I think is spectacular. He, he addresses the people. And he gives, depending on what translation you read out of, but somewhere around a 35, 37-word sermon. Now, don't expect that out of me, okay? I'm not that good. But he gave a 35, 37-word sermon to the people about what his mission was and what he was called to do and what he was going to do. And the people, when he gave the invitation, the people responded. And they said, let's rebuild the walls. Yeah, let's do this. So we pick up the story in chapter 3. In chapter 3, we find that Nehemiah now has rallied the people. And now you see, and it starts in chapter 3 and goes out through the whole chapter. And it talks about all these different tribes and all these different families and how they come together and they realize that, that one family didn't have the responsibility of building the entire wall around the entire city. They just had a responsibility to build a segment, right? Just a portion of it. And beside them was another tribe or another family. Beside them was another tribe or another family. And beside them was another tribe or another family. And, and you, you finish the reading and that I sent out to you by text, by the way. I hope you're getting that. You, you finish the reading that I sent out to you that we're, we're to read today in Nehemiah 3 through chapter 4, verse number 6. And you'll see that they've got the wall about halfway built now. Okay? About halfway built. And I think that's pretty amazing because sometimes the task of building the walls of Jerusalem and building the morale of the people as it parallels to the church and sometimes the, the task of, of building a church or building a ministry or being involved in a ministry, if we look at the picture as a whole, sometimes it's too overwhelming. But if we realize that God has called each of us here not to build the whole thing, but to build our segment. And our segment is our ministry. It's where we serve. It's what we do. And we're serving alongside each other. We're serving alongside other families. And the ultimate goal, the ultimate mission is to build God's kingdom work here on this earth, which is the local church. And, and, and every ministry is important and what everybody does is important. And every family that comes along and works beside each other is extremely important. And it takes all of us working together in order to build the walls or build the ministry. Okay? So that's where we are in the story. So as we progress through chapter 3, we're going to scroll down to verse number 5. And I want to share with you just really four kingdom principles here that 
that I gleaned from this and that really happens in life. And I've seen them happen here at, even at Victory Church and even in my ministry back in North Carolina. And as I, as I speak with other pastors and, and talk to them about their ministries, I, you know, you see pretty much the same thing taking place here. But I want you to look, if you will. There's four different principles that we see in Nehemiah 3 and Nehemiah 4 that really are pretty common for us all. So let's put the first one on the screen, if you will, first of all. So here it is, number one. When it comes to the work, some are apathetic. Okay? Now, once you look at verse number five, now there's a lot of good that's going on. I'm going to come back to that. That's my fourth principle. Okay? So I'm not overlooking verses one through four. Now where it talks about these families are working together and they're rebuilding the wall and the rest of the chapter. A lot of good is, is taking place. But I want to start with this. There's a little bit of apathy that's taking place here. Okay? Now, if you will, look in verse number 5, and I'm not going to read all of chapter 3, nor am I going to read even all of chapter, or verse number 5. But here you have the tribe of Teboa. And you have these Teboaites, if you will. The tribe that's with them. Now, look in verse number 5. It says, their nobles, a lighter part of it, their nobles did not lift a finger to help. In the New Living Translation, it says, their leaders refused to help. Now, here we have already in this great mission, this great work that Nehemiah is doing. He's following God's call in his life. I've already reviewed with you all that's taken place in his life. They're starting now to rebuild the walls. Families are coming together. Tribes are coming together. But here we have a spirit of apathy among some of the leaders of this particular tribe. Now that jumped off the page at me. Listen, it's one thing. Everybody listen to me right here. It's one thing to have a spirit of apathy among the people, the followers. But it's something else entirely different when you have a spirit of apathy among the chosen leaders of those people. Are you with me? It says the nobles, the leaders, did not lift one finger to help build the work. And guys, to me, that's a red flag, Right? That's a huge red flag. Are you guys with me? You understand what I'm saying? When the leaders of the people are not engaged in building the ministry and building the work and doing the work of building the walls, that is a problem. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, that's a problem. Go ahead. That's a problem. It is a problem when the leaders are not leading by example. Are you with me? That is a problem. So let me ask you. What area of ministry are you leading? And are you leading by example? Or do you have a spirit of apathy in the area of God's work in the ministry that you're leading? Because that's what we see here. These individuals, it says, they did not lift a finger, did not lift a finger to do the work. They refused, it says in the New Living Translation, the leaders refused to help. Apathy among the leaders. Now the application for all of us is simply this. Apathy does stick up its ugly head from time to time, not only among the people, but also even among the leaders. And what we must do, we must recognize when apathy starts to settle in, in our hearts and our minds, and we must repent of it. Are you with me? Matter of fact, can I just say this? An apathetic spirit or an apathetic mindset is sinful. 
Listen to what Jesus said. He spoke to the church about apathy. You say, where did Jesus speak to the church about an apathetic spirit? Well, he spoke to the church about apathy in Revelation chapter 3. Look there in your Bibles, if you will, please. And I don't have it on the screen for you. But in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15, the Lord Jesus says this. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. And because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and I need nothing and you don't know that you're, and he says, you don't know that you're wretched and you're pitiful and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. And then he says down in verse number 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. And so he committed, or so be committed and repent. And he says, listen, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. And the victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne. And anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Apathy. Whenever we are apathetic about ministry, about service, about kingdom work, then I want you to understand that's the same thing as being lukewarm. And Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold than be lukewarm. I'd rather you be completely indifferent with me than to be in the, be in the area to where you're hindering the work that is taking place. Be either hot or be cold. When you're lukewarm, when you're apathetic, he said, it makes me sick and I want to vomit you out of my mouth. So whenever we have a mindset or a spirit that we really don't care about serving each other or serving the community, that's a spirit of, of apathy, right? Whenever, we, whenever we're involved in a ministry or involved in a church and we're not really excited or encouraged about getting involved in the ministries of the church, that's a spirit of apathy. So what we must do, we must repent of that, right? We must get involved and do the work. Can you imagine the excitement that's taken place in Jerusalem? He's rallied the troops. He's rallied the people. He's fasted. He's prayed. He's, he's got God's vision for what it is he needs to do. He's carrying it out. A lot of the people are excited. But here you got some that just sit back and for whatever reason, they don't lift a finger to help rebuild the walls. So whenever you're involved in ministry, there's going to be oftentimes a spirit of apathy. So whenever that spirit of apathy rises up in a congregation or in a people or even in leaders, what do you do? Well, I think what you've got to do, you've got to encourage them, okay? So all of you guys that are leading different ministries in the church and you have some that seem like they have a spirit of apathy about the ministry... Or you're, you're sitting here and maybe you're, maybe you're apathetic about ministry and you really haven't got plugged in and, and really helped not, not really do, building your section of the wall. What do you do? Well, I think we've got to give all of us some encouragement from time to time. So what is some of the encouragement that we, that we can get that will help us overcome this spirit of apathy? Real quickly, and I don't have a lot of time to park on this, but Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37 reminds us that we are more than conquerors. Through Christ Jesus. There's about four verses of scripture that I think can encourage our heart to help us overcome this mindset or this spirit of apathy. Romans 8.37, when we realize that we are more than conquerors 
with Christ Jesus on our side and living in our hearts and our lives and we're living out His plan and His will in our life and we're doing His work, we are more than conquerors. It doesn't matter what's ahead of us. We can overcome it all, right? We're more than conquerors. We must posture ourselves that way. We can't walk around like a defeated people. We can't walk around dragging our lip. We can't walk around saying, woe is me. We can't walk around saying, I'm the last kid that ever got picked on the playground when I was a little boy. We carry that mindset all into our adult life. Listen, we've got to rise up and realize that we are more than conquerors. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? We are more than conquerors because of our relationship with Christ Jesus. So quit living a defeated life and posture yourself in a way that, hey, I've got the King of Kings on my side. I've got the Lord Jesus in my heart. I'm carrying out His will, His plan, His mission in my life. I am more than a conqueror, right? Because of Christ Jesus. Another way of we can encourage one another is 1 John 4, 4. When it talks about greater is He that's in you than he that is in the world. Greater is He that's in you than the spirit of apathy that's overtaking you. Greater is He that's in you, right? So we can draw strength and encouragement from that. In Ephesians chapter 6, there's another great passage of Scripture. In verse number 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord. Listen, the church don't need a bunch of wimps. We need to be strong in the Lord, right? We don't need a bunch of defeated people. We need to be strong in the Lord. Well, what's another way we can overcome a spirit of apathy, Ephesians 5. And if you read through Ephesians 5, it talks about all the different roles and responsibilities. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6. talks about all the different roles and responsibilities of men and women and how we need to rise up and be what God's called us to be. Apathy is really just a, it's the sin of backsliding, really is what it is. And if we have that spirit of apathy, what we need to do is repent. We need to ask God to forgive us, okay? So that's principle number one. So when it comes to the word, some are apathetic. We see that in verse number five. Give me the second one real quick. So not only when it comes to the word, some are apathetic. Number two, when it comes to the way that we're doing the work, some get offended. Now we're going to jump over to chapter four. In chapter three, you've got all these different gates that are being built and these different tribes and families that are coming together and they're doing the work. And praise the Lord for all of them. I'm going to come back to all of that as I close out this message. But as we look at chapter 4 and verse number 1, it says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. Stop right there. It says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. Well, why did he become furious? Well, you know what? It's as, that mindset is as old as Cain and Abel. That whole mindset of, of jealousy and that whole mindset of you're not doing it my way or, you know, what I was doing, you, you're, you know, you're not following that. It, it seems like folks do get offended, not only in rebuilding the wall with Nehemiah, as Sin Ballot was, but folks do even get offended in ministry today. Would you agree? And most of the time when they get offended, it's because they're remembering back to maybe how something used to be or they're remembering back to a way that they thought it should be and maybe it's not necessarily going the way they think it should go or it's going away, they remember it, how it didn't used to be like that and now it's like that. And so now folks get offended and it works on both sides. You have those that are offended because it's not like it used to be and then you have those that are offended because it's not like they think it should be. Are you with me? Right? So folks just get offended. 
So what I've learned in ministry is that folks get, say it, offended. They do. And there's a reason why they get offended. And it's mainly because they forgot something. And I'll tell you what they forgot as soon as I tell you this little story. There was an 80-year-old couple. And they were having a hard time remembering things. And so they go to the doctor and they tell the doctor, said, Doctor, we're just, we're just struggling with remembering things. Now, they're 80 years old, of course, okay? But we're struggling with remembering things. Will you check us out and make sure everything's okay? So they, they have a physical on the both. And physically speaking, both the man and the woman, 80 years old, are, are doing very well. The doctor said, physically speaking, you're doing very well. So, you know, I don't, don't really know what all is in play here with you not remembering things. But here's what I suggest. Why don't you just write things down? And that'll help you remember whatever it is you need to remember. Just start writing things down. So I said, okay, thank you, doctor. And they left. They go back home, and this is a few days later, and they're sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden the 80-year-old man gets up and goes into the kitchen, and his wife said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the kitchen. And she said, will you bring me a bowl of ice cream? Now, if you're in my house, man, that's a cat's meow, ice cream, okay? We love that stuff. <laughs> Probably weighed too much, I guess you can tell. But anyway, he, he was going into the kitchen to get some ice cream. She said, or get, going to the kitchen. Said, yeah, I'll, I'll get you some ice cream. She said, you better write that down so you don't forget. He said, I'm not going to forget to get you a bowl of ice cream. So he heads on to the kitchen. She said, hey, one more thing. When you get in there and get a bowl of ice cream, will you put some strawberries on it? And he said, well, yeah, I'll put some strawberries. She said, you better write that down. I don't need to write that down. I remember you want a bowl of ice cream with strawberries on it. He's getting a little agitated with her. He says, okay. So he's almost in the kitchen. He says, hey, one more thing. Will you put whipped cream on the top of that? And you better write that down so you don't forget. He said, I'm not going to write that down. I'm going to go get you a bowl of ice cream with strawberries on the top and whipped cream. No problem. I've got this. So he goes into the kitchen. He stays in there about 20 minutes. All of a sudden, he comes back out and he hands her a plate of bacon and eggs. She looks at it. She said, I told you you should have written it down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> That's kind of cheesy, isn't it? But, but here's, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. I thought that was kind of... My, my daughter just got that, didn't you? I, I, <laughs> I heard you just now chuckled. Here's the thing. We are so easy to forget things and not remember things. Whenever we get offended because of the way ministry may be, be being accomplished or being carried out, and we get offended at that, what we need to do, we need to go back and remember that our sins against a holy God greatly offended Him. And because of our sins, we need to remember that it cost God's Son His life to redeem us and restore us and bring us back into a right relationship with Him. Oftentimes we forget where we came from. I remember that's one of the things my dad told me years ago back when, when I was in the house and I was venturing out on my own. He said, never ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget where you came from. And a lot of times in church we need to think about, really, am I going to get offended at this? When I realize and I start to remember all that I have done to offend the Lord and what it cost Christ to be able to restore me 
back into a right relationship with him. So I think we can overcome that a little bit. But real quick, I just wanted you to see that he was offended, which leads to the third point. And both of these go hand in hand here, and it's almost in the same verse, in verse number 1. Not only when it comes to the work are people apathetic, and not only when it comes to the work are people offended, but right going with this, I'm going to give you the response to both of this 2 and 3 here in just a moment. But when it comes to reverence, some ridicule. Now look in chapter 4 in the latter part of verse number 1. Right after it says that Sanballat was furious, he did something. What did he do? It says he mocked. He started mocking the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria. And he said, what are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox would climb up on, onto the wall, what they were building, he would break down the stone wall. So here you see these guys that are offended. And they lash out and they start ridiculing the work and making a mockery of what was taking place. Now, how do we respond to both of those? Do we turn around and get in a verbal altercation with them and tell them this is exactly what the Lord wants me to do and get in or get out? And they start having this really strong debate with them. We don't find Nehemiah doing that. What did Nehemiah do whenever, what did Nehemiah do whenever Sanballat got furious that they're rebuilding the wall and started mocking what they were doing? He prayed. Well, let's look at that prayer. And that prayer you'll find in verse 4 and 5. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 4 and 5. He says, this is his prayer. He said, listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them be taken as plundered to a land of captivity. You know what he was saying? He said, God, give them the boomerang effect, right? Everything they're throwing on us, throw it back on them, right? Everything they're wanting to happen to us, God, you make it happen to them. And that's what he's telling. That's what he's crying out to God. In verse number 5, do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have provoked the builders. And Nehemiah didn't waste his time or his breath getting into an argument or an altercation with those that are offended and with those that are furious and those that are mocking. Right? He just prayed. Right? But I want you to look at this prayer. This is a real prayer. Really, it reminds me of, of the prayers that Moses used to pray. You remember when Moses would get upset with the people and he'd say, God, just kill them. Right? Just kill them all. And you remember when God would get upset with the people and he'd say, I'm going to kill them all. Moses said, no, you can't kill them all. Right? Moses and God had this, this conversation one with another that was just real. And here we find Nehemiah. He's in the heat of the battle. He, he sacrificed so much to get to where he is. We find that folks are apathetic. Some are not even helping. Some are offended. Some are furious. And now they're mocking him. What does he do? He continues to pray. And he just casts all of that to the Lord. And he talks to God in a real way. And some folks will say, how do I pray? The best way to pray is just Talk to God like you'd talk to anybody else. If you're upset, let God know you're upset. If this is what you're thinking, let God know what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking anyway. Just tell him what you're thinking. Now, he's probably going to correct that way of thinking, right? 
He's going he's to alter that prayer maybe a little bit. Because if Sinballot were to, were to ask for forgiveness, you think God would forgive him? Sure he would. Now that's not what Nehemiah wanted him to do, right? Are you with me? So I guess what I'm saying is whenever you're in the heat of the battle, when you're working in the ministry, when you're doing what it is you feel God's calling you to do, and you find that folks are offended and folks are furious and some folks are mocking, just, just pray. Just give it to the Lord and be real with God on how you, how you feel about that. And let me give you the fourth and final one, and, and I'm going to be done here. And when it comes to serving, here's what I want you to get. Some will labor. I mean, can you think about how encouraged Nehemiah was? When he stepped back a little bit and he saw all the activity and all the work going in by all the families and all the tribes and all the people in rebuilding the wall. And look, if you will, in verse number 6. It says, So we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together about or together up to half its height. For the people, get this last part, for the people had the will to keep working. In the KJV, it says the people had a mind to work. In the New Living Translation, it says the people worked very hard. These were kingdom laborers. And the people had a mind to work. They labored very hard. And Nehemiah was very grateful for all of them. You know, whenever I think about even Victory Church, are we where we want to be? Are we where we need to be? No, we're, we're still building this thing. Right? I'm very thankful we're not where we started. Right, Terry? Right, family? Woohoo! Right? I'm glad we're not where we started. Are we where we want to be? No. Have we built it to all we can build it to? No. We're still on the journey. We're probably about halfway, we're maybe a quarter of the way up. <laughs> We spent some years in the, in the wilderness trying to find our place to settle down. and That took its toll on me. We finally found our place to settle down. Now we've got to continue to build. We've got the foundation built, but we've got to continue to build. But just let me say this. And band, you can come because I'm, I'm done for today. But let me say this. Let me say this as you're coming. I am so grateful. I am so very grateful for the laborers that we have for the kingdom work. Because no one man... Or no one family can do all the ministry in the church. No way. Right? It takes all of us cooperating, working together, doing our part. And if all of us would just continue to focus on our little part and we keep building our part of the wall, then we can step back and we can look at the big picture and we can see, hey, it's all coming together for the glory of God. So I just want you to know I'm very thankful. And I think about all the different ministries and the different tasks. I mean, just to even have a service here on Sunday morning, there's a tremendous amount of work and labor that goes in just so we can have a worship service. Right? I mean, there are folks that come in early and they, they unlock the building and they turn on the heat. And they get things ready for us. They turn on the lights. They turn on the sound and all the monitors. They start brewing the coffee, and they get the snacks out there, and then they're at the door, opening the door, and when it's raining, have an umbrella, and walking folks in, and 
Then we have our children's ministry and our workers that are preparing through the week to be able to teach our children on Sunday morning. Then we have our workers on Wednesday evening that's working with our kids and our children's ministry that sacrifices every single Wednesday night to come here for a couple hours to invest back into the ministry and back into kids. And prior to coming, they're spending hours preparing and getting ready for those classes. And then we have our youth ministry that meets here on Sunday evenings and the work and the preparation and the time and the sacrifice that goes in all of that and and then we have our men's ministry and we're trying to do this retreat and there's already planning and work and activity that that I've been involved in and and others to help make that a success I mean things just don't appear and just happen it happens because there are laborers that are working together for the kingdom of God and for those of you that are laboring I just want to say thank you keep working keep working right You're going to have opposition. You're going to have those that mock you. You're going to have those that ridicule you. And you look around. Now get this, guys. Everybody pay attention right here. This is a big point. You're going to look around at the people, and you're going to see some people not working. But you can't let that hinder your work. You're going to see some people that have a spirit of apathy. But you can't let that hinder what you're doing. The people, in spite of their leaders not being involved in the work, they were working. So keep your eyes on the work. Keep your eyes on the master. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When we look around at people, we get our eyes off of Jesus, we get our eyes off people, and we get so focused on what people are not doing, we're losing focus on what God's called us to do. There's no way we can do that effectively if we're always looking around and we're getting upset because of the apathy that may be there. There's always going to be apathy and opposition and ridicule and mockery. That's part of it. We've got to learn to deal with it. We've got to learn to take all that to the Lord in prayer, just like Nehemiah did. Are you with me? Man, this is good stuff. And you can apply this not only in kingdom work for the church, but career fields and whatever else it is you're doing. You can apply all this, but I want you to know it's all spiritual. It's all what God has in store for you. So keep all those things in mind and just take all that to the Lord in prayer and give it to Him and keep doing the work. Give it to Him and keep doing the work. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for our time together and for Your Word. and Lord, thank You for the journal of Nehemiah that we're able to glean from. God, help us not to focus on those that are not working and help us to focus on our work and on you. And help us to do it to the best of our ability. And help us to do it because, God, we love you. And we want to see your kingdom come. And we want to see your church healthy. And we want to see your work completed. Give us the courage Give us the boldness. Give us the fortitude. And give us a spirit of prayer as we continue to do the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. 
We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.